0: Welcome to A Photographer's Life, the channel that takes you behind the curtain into the world of professional architectural photography. Join us now for an episode with one of America's premier architectural photographers. Today's broadcast comes from a recent interview with up-and-coming American architectural photographer Kyle Weehy. Today's interview was conducted by AIAP director Alan Blakely. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. Now, on with the show.
1: We're happy to welcome you to uh, this AIAP podcast interview. And today we're speaking with Kyle Wiege of Madison, Wisconsin. Kyle's a member of AIAP and a commercial and architectural photographer. And we're anxious to get to know more about him. Welcome, Kyle. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Glad to be here. Tell me just a little bit about um, where you got your introduction to photography and, and kind of what was the the thing that uh, sparked your interest in being a photographer?
0: Sure. So I, I got into photography when I was a young kid. Uh, my dad was a hobbyist oh. photographer. Oh, okay. Um, so my my first memories of photography are us out in our backyard at night with glow sticks doing long <laughs> exposures, you know, creating cool. people out of nothing and just fun stuff like that. So um, i I used his camera for a while he had a canon SLR um, mm-hmm. you know film camera and shot on that for a little bit and then when I was in middle school um, I purchased a Nikon FM10 okay. and started just shooting on that as much as I could just a lot of landscapes and nature and that kind of thing just walking around um, and then when I got into high school it was still a passion of mine and so I took the photography class there mm-hmm. um, which was really fun it was a half a semester or whatever and um, it went really well. The teacher said, Hey, you, you seem like you've got, you know, kind of a knack for this. Do you want to do like an independent study and we'll oh. keep this class going? And I said, yeah, for sure. So I did another year of that. And then he, um, you know, again, was liking what I was doing, kind of asked me to help um, contribute a little more to the classes. And so I Ooh. helped do some development because we had a, you know, black and white uh, dark room. At our oh, school nice. and so we did some of that um our field trips and stuff you know i would help other kids um, just get their settings right and kind of mm. help them if they had any questions so um you know the passion was there early i never honestly thought i'd do it for a living because really? i was like either either you shoot weddings or you shoot for national geographic yeah, and those are right. two avenues that i saw um and i never yeah. really thought either of those was going to be something for me so i actually went to school for audio engineering um in madison oh, and okay. uh planned on you know doing live music or music recording in studio that kind of thing I'm a musician as well so um that tended not to (laughs) really produce much work for me because I didn't want to move to (laughs) Nashville or LA or any place like that you know I kind of liked being here in the Midwest and um so you know eventually just kind of moved into being my, my main role. Um, I, I never put a camera down and, you know, I had friends and family who were graduating high school and who were Mm -hmm. getting married. And so I just kind of shot a couple of things here and there. Um, and then a gentleman who used to work with my dad, um, they were police officers. He left, uh, to be a photographer, Uh, went the commercial route and, um, you know, he was doing great things, Mm -hmm. um, all around the country. And so he, he had a lighting course that I took. I don't know maybe 12 years ago or something like that. Okay. Um, it just seemed really interesting was kind of fun. Um and from that point I realized oh commercial photography. Yeah. This is what <laughs> I care about. This is awesome. Yeah. Like this is really fun. You can be creative and you know there's actually budgets and um you know new people are bringing you in and you get to do cool marketing stuff. So that was kind of where I started. Um so I started my business Crimson Sun Studios um almost exactly 10 years ago. Okay. Um, and I was shooting all sorts of stuff, you know, I was doing um, some architecture, real estate, mm. um, events, food, product, headshots, lifestyle, you know, everything that I could think of. Um, and just over the years, it's been narrowing itself more and more um, into okay. architecture. And that's just the thing that I feel I like the most. Mm. Um, my skill set, I think, drives most into that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I had done a lot of compositing in my early years just oh, okay. I it was really fun trying to make surreal scenes and um, shoot a bunch of different pieces in studio or wherever I was and then bring mm-hmm. them all together in, in post-production and I feel like architecture can be a lot of that if you're blending yeah. models and if you're doing lighting of different scenarios and you're trying to fix color cast
1: between windows
0: mm-hmm. and interior lighting and stuff like that it's all that same kind of skill set so
1: yeah that's uh, that, that's, that, that's interesting that's really true um so you started out, I mean, you, as a, as a commercial photographer, you, you didn't ever go the route of the, the retail photography situation. And, and so who are your clients when you first started out as far as commercial clients, uh, did you work with ad agencies or where did your business come from? Um,
0: yeah. So most of it, um, like right when I started my business, I joined a, a weekly networking group. Oh, okay. um, back in the day, it was BNI um, for <laughs> this particular group. And they're, you know, a national, international kind of organization that builds networking chapters all around. Yeah. Um, So that was a good, good initial placement for me because in Mm -hmm. that group there was, you know, maybe 20 other professionals and I was the only photographer. Okay. So um, most of my work was direct to client, you know, so they would have um, needs to photograph their team Mm -hmm. or they would want, um, you know, some shots of their building inside or they wanted Um, you know some shots of their menu if it was a restaurant there or they would have connections um, to other people that Mm -hmm. they knew um, that were looking for photography and that was really how I started to grow my client base and my portfolio Mm. and then from there it was just you know persistently moving forward and trying to build relationships in my local market Um, Mm -hmm. I've done some work with with agencies but the vast majority of what I've done is direct to client
1: okay yeah that that, I mean that, that whole business model has changed pretty dramatically since uh, since I started out as a commercial photographer. And, uh, you know, when I started out, it was all agency work. You, you just you didn't ever really work directly with any clients. It was all three agencies. Um, yeah. But things have changed fairly dramatically. And it's interesting that that's at the time when you jumped in and uh, you're able to make you go things as a commercial photographer, because like you said, that Most people don't think of photography as being commercial photography. You know, they see these pictures every day in magazines and wherever else, but they don't realize that somebody actually gets paid to shoot those. So, yeah, uh, that's interesting. So it sounds like you had to develop a pretty broad skill set at the uh, get-go just because of the variety of clientele that you were shooting for. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's accurate. Um, I mean, my
0: interest in photography, um, you know, it stems from the base level of visual creation Mm -hmm. you know so just understanding composition understanding storytelling understanding lighting and how that affects i mean all of those things um aid in the creation of any type of imagery no matter what you're trying to do so for me it's it's really fun to have the challenge of changing and moving through and having different things that happen um because then You know you're kind of trying to understand what does the client want what are we trying to produce here who's who's going to see these and what is the influence what why does it matter um and from there you know just to challenge yourself to create the most visually interesting and cool thing possible that um you know checks that box and marks the Mm -hmm. goal and gets them to their marketing needs that they that they want so um you know nowadays niche still into architecture you know i'm doing still plenty of things with those same clients doing video and doing mm-hmm. lifestyle and doing drone headshots um okay. time lapse you know all that kind of stuff so it's all still different but um in terms of who i'm serving i'm trying to narrow that down just to okay aec
1: mm-hmm. yeah well you know you described uh, a process there that you kind of went through rather quickly but um i think most photographers. Uh, in order to get to be professional have to go through that but but a lot of them never never understand that process where and and you described you know that you're seeing what the client needs and try to create something that's meaningful for them and their clientele and 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 their marketing purposes but then you're also trying to contribute something that's yours and you know raise that up a level not you just you're not just documenting a building you want you want to give them something that's that's artistic and there's a value added situation there and um, to me, that's, that's, that's the key to being successful is, yeah. is understanding that I early, early on, I, I worked with a photographer and he would, uh, he was doing work mainly with that agencies. Um, and I only assisted him just a couple of times, but one of the things he did is after the client would leave, then, then he would pour over, you know, communication arts magazines and all kinds of other things, trying to get something that would spark an idea so that he could do something that was beyond what the client had asked for or expected or or really needed, but to kind of push it to another level. And that became his brand. And that's kind of always stuck with me. And that's exactly what you describe in that process. And so, um, yeah, I, th- I think that was really key. And I just wanted to, you know, just rewind a little bit and, and talk about that. Um, let's just take a quick detour. You talked about Audio engineering and and um I, I have yet to interview anybody that's a member of AIP who is not also a musician and not <laughs> and also not you know a, a fairly serious musician. Yeah, you know, they. It, it's not just uh, you know I do it just for fun kind of thing. It's I've done it and could make a living at it. <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. So I'm interested to to hear a little bit about that and how you got in into auto audio engineering and, you know, Madison's not really a recording hub, but, um, you're not far from Chicago and there's a lot going on there. And, yeah. but you didn't want to go that route. What, what was the determining factor that tipped it towards photography for you? Um,
0: well, mostly my interest in audio, um, stemmed from being a musician in high school and playing a lot in, okay. in bands there. Um, And honestly, just being a real terrible student and not getting into any other (laughs) colleges. And I submitted to a whole bunch of places and uh, Madison Media Institute, which is no longer a school for many Mm -hmm. reasons. Um, You know, that was one of like two places that I got in. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'll just go there and learn about music. And um you know and there i was a much better student i i placed you know towards the top of the class close to a 4.0 for that yeah. um, but it's like you know you That's whatever <laughs> you care about you're going to put your passion into and yeah. general studies in high school i didn't really care about so mm. um so that was the initial drive and i probably would have gone straight into photography if i would have realized what commercial photography was and if i would have just started um you know perusing photographers who i could assist If somebody would have told me like, hey, this is something you could do and you can be self-employed doing this Mm -hmm. and you don't even have to go to school. Like schooling doesn't really matter that much, Mm -hmm. especially in the days of YouTube and digital and, you know, accessible stuff online. The most valuable thing you can do, in my opinion, is go and assist with a photographer and, you know, just get that on site um, kind of kind of knowledge which I was able to do, um, mm. you know, earlier in my career, I, I assisted okay. two photographers here in Madison for a number of years and mm. those guys are awesome. And I highly respect them. And, um, you know, they do great work and that was part of part of the transition then was, yeah. um, just seeing what that
1: looks like full-time. Well, I think there's some, uh, there's some interesting parallels between music business and commercial photography in that, like you said, um, uh, you know, you can learn so much in school, but you really need to go be with people who, who do it really well. And it's not, my experience has been, it's not something that you ever can learn in school. And, um, it's just not, you know, you don't teach it. It's not taught that way. I, I know a lot of fine artists and, um, I don't know any of them that have a BFA, you (laughs) you know, in, in oil painting or anything like that. And, um, it's just something that you, you seem to have an affinity for. And I think photography fits into that category really well. And, um, the fact that you're a creative person means that you've got all these other outlets, you know, in, uh, in music and things like this. I understand you play bass. Is that, yeah. uh, your you a bass player.
0: Yep. Bass player. And, and normally I have it out here in my office, but uh, we had band practice a couple of days ago and I haven't yet <laughs> taken it back out of its case. So
1: that's cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, if if I didn't have my background softened, you'd see a B3 and a Fender Rhodes and, you know, anyway, on and on and on. Yeah, that's that's what I don't do for a living, but what I still do. But, um, yeah, I I think you need those creative outlets and it's not always about making money. You know, you still hang on to it and obviously you still enjoy it.
0: Um, yeah and I, th- I think creative pursuits outside of whatever it is you're doing for a mm-hmm. living like if you do a creative pursuit for a living doing other things can inform and change how you do every yeah. other thing you know Absolutely. I mean I, I play basketball I do um you know other things we go camping and we're hiking mm-hmm. and just you know all of those types of things I feel um can influence your work and your vision and what you see and how you tell stories and just what you're interested in um you know some people think that like if i want to be a better photographer like i just need to you know learn my camera and learn my gear which is obviously necessary you need to understand how to use your tools but um there gets to a certain point of diminishing returns where you, you really got to step outside of that mm-hmm. and then ask yourself like why why do i even do this what's the point like yeah. why am i you know why me why why would anybody work with me what can i do differently yeah
1: that that's um that's pretty profound philosophy. I, I appreciate that. It's, these are things that you don't get taught in school and, um, I don't know. All creative people seem to be like this and non-creative people who will watch this will have no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) So that's okay. Um, uh, for, for a number of years, I was on the advisory board for, um, a photography school. that's no longer in existence. And, um, that was the hardest thing for me to reconcile was I kind of wanted photographers to learn everything but photography as part of their (laughs) education. You know, anybody can learn the, you know, the menu on a a Canon camera or something like that, but it's all these other things that inform your visual decisions that, that come from other places that have nothing, whatever to do with photography. So... Yeah, interesting definitely. that you would bring that up. Um, so, um, are you working as a like a sole proprietor these days, or or what? What's your business model right now? Yeah, so um, it's pretty much just me in the business. Um,
0: I I started it uh, as an LLC, a okay. um, single member LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, just at the end of last year, um, we okay. transitioned to an S corp so now oh, that's okay. the case um moving forward which is cool Um uh, trying to set up payroll and get all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. at the end of the year in retrospect for 2023 has been a <laughs> headache <laughs> and i gotta thank my cpa and my accountant for being awesome and um holding my hand through that that process because yeah you know, <laughs> i am not an accountant man i am definitely a uh, photographer
1: that's so anyway, and that's I- valuable information for photographers or anybody in business for that matter that if you're you know a small business person, you really have to rely on those resources and and uh, and and you know understand that people there are people smarter than you <laughs> you yeah. know I I just have to admit that I can't I can't do those kinds of things and I'd rather rely on somebody who knows how to do it right and and saves me a huge tax headache in the end so yeah, especially uh, when there's legality issues.
0: You know, if we're talking about, you know, like paying your taxes on time or what you're Mm -hmm. owing to the IRS, you don't want them on your back. You know, if you'd ever get audited or something, it's nice to have those ducks in a row (laughs) or somebody you can turn to, you know, even in contracts or anything else. It's like just work with professionals, you know, try to try to make those connections when you can. Um, You know, I I mentioned earlier that I was in a networking group. I'm still in that group and I've Mm -hmm. been in there for you know nearly 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made so many professional connections there. My CPA yeah. is from that that group. My okay. um, insurance guy is in that mm. group. Um, you know, I know writers and graphic designers who have been in that group, uh, mortgage lenders and real real estate oh, agents okay. who have all helped me. And um, you know, th- there's just so much. If you're going to be in business for yourself, I would highly recommend joining something like that. Whatever is local to you. Um, you yeah. know, and just embed yourself into the community because there's people who can help and you're going to build great relationships of mm-hmm. folks that you can just text, you know, like my insurance guy, like he and he and I are friends and I can just text yeah. him or call him at any time and he can tell me what's up and I don't have to file a claim just to, you know, understand sure. what's going to happen.
1: So, yeah, well, and in our business, too, I mean, there's a lot of times where you need a certificate of insurance in order to be on the side of the property. And yep. It's nice to just text that and have it go to. <laughs> To the yeah. property manager or whoever it needs to go to at that point. That's really important. I um, there's a lot of business resources out there that I I think photographers in general um, tend to be ignorant of, and they're usually always free. Mm-hmm. So, and the networking is certainly a a really valuable part of that. So, as far as marketing, what kinds of things do you do on an ongoing basis to to bring new clients in or keep existing ones? yeah
0: i would say the biggest investment has been um developing a website that gets found on google and with seo Mm -hmm. and that was one thing i've done myself um instead of hiring out or delegating to somebody Mm -hmm. else just because websites can cost a lot of money and and they (laughs) don't necessarily have a lot of money (laughs) yeah so you know especially in the early career um you know, just figuring out how to do that, figuring out what you're looking at and what yeah. works for you, what kind of website you want to build. Um, you know, again, from the networking side, I, I met a guy um, who does website development and SEO, and he wrote a book um, mm. called The Holistic Guide to, to Online Marketing. Um, and so I read that book, covered it back and used all the tips that he that he had in there. Um, and it helped now I'm ranked on first page of Google for, you know, commercial photography, Madison, Wisconsin, architectural photography, time lapse nice. photography, all these things now mm-hmm. front page. So, um, you know, I get a handful of inquiries every month just from that. Um, yeah, that's been great. That's um, huge. Yeah, obviously AIAP is awesome. Um, that website, you know, I I've gotten found through there. I've got clients mm-hmm. that I've I work with now on a regular basis who who found me there. So um appreciate that resource and highly recommend sure. everybody, you know, get listed and join mm-hmm. and, and be a part of the organization. Um and also LinkedIn, I think is a really fantastic community Absolutely. for connecting, yeah. um, getting your work in front of people where it matters where it's going to mm-hmm. get seen and appreciated you know i'm on instagram as well and that's another platform i like um just to see photography and to um yeah. get creative vision but i wouldn't say that i get any work through there nor do people <laughs> really seem to care or connect you know
1: no i i, I agree 100 percent with that linkedin is is the is the best tool for commercial photographers yeah um, as far as you know social media goes anyway yeah um Yeah. And And if you like
0: doing your research, you you can go to a company page and then just go to their people and then find the person who's listed as the marketing director or the business development person or their communications person, just connect with everybody. And sometimes they won't connect, sometimes they will. And then that just opens the door, you know, don't sell them right away. Don't be that kind of person. Yeah. just send them a message and say, Hey, I I love what you guys do. This is an awesome, you know, awesome project that I see is getting worked on. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, kudos, keep up the good work, just get in front
1: of them. Yeah, that's that's a really important point, and I'm glad you brought that up. That just just the attitude of making connections with people without trying to sell them something. Um, I, I'm doing work next week for uh, a lighting manufacturer that I contacted on LinkedIn just with a, a little connection note that said, um, "I'm I'm available. I I really think your you know your projects are." Amazing. I'd love to be involved. Um, if at some point in the future that works, let, you know, let me know. Well, you know, now they've been a regular client for a number of years and uh, I've been able to photograph some really amazing properties as a result. And all it was was just a simple little LinkedIn message. And I didn't say, you know, hire me right now. Yeah. <laughs> or you need me like the ones that we all get on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, as a research tool, it's huge. And there are some plugins that you can get. Um, which I won't mention because LinkedIn doesn't like them, but um, <laughs> there are some browser plugins that will allow you to extract email addresses and things like that. Yeah,
0: definitely. From LinkedIn, yeah, you build use... your
1: email list um, for, for direct email if you choose to do that. Yeah. And I think maybe those same plugins
0: can work on um, like company websites and stuff too. Yes, I know that there's a couple that I, I use um, where if I'm perusing their, their site and they don't have, a person's website listed or a, yeah. an email listed, mm-hmm. you know, you can click into there and it'll it'll scour and sometimes find it, or at least give you um, the format of their company email. So you can just kind of yeah. guess what
1: that person's email is going to be. Yeah. You, you, you've cracked that code. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We all do yeah. that. I mean, yeah. Uh, do you, do you um, do direct email at all? Is that part of your marketing plan? Yeah, I I do not a ton of like
0: cold emailing, Mm -hmm. um, but enough, you know, every quarter I'm trying to find new folks that I'd like to work with and just, Mm -hmm. you know, who's doing cool projects or who's who's doing good work Um, and then just send them an email. And, you know, I've got some templates that I've saved that um, get changed out just depending on how I feel about their their response. You know, if some are never getting opened, then um, I'll change it up a little bit. I'll try to make it a little different, maybe Mm -hmm. shorter, maybe um, more directly you know, given to them in terms of Mm -hmm. language and projects and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I would say the, the percentage of, um, clients gained from cold emailing is pretty low. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's been successes from it for sure. A couple a good handful of clients that I've gotten Mm -hmm. just from doing that. So.
1: Yeah. I I would say the same. I, it's not where the bulk of my new business comes from, but, um, it's, it's enough new business that I continue to do it. So yeah, uh, it's, it's certainly well worthwhile. Um, Talk to me just a little bit about your working process as far as um, you know when you license image to to a client or uh, to multiple clients or things like that um, is 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 the licensing um, equation is that a big part of your your uh, initial bid or just just where where are you on that and how do you explain that to people?
0: Yeah, for sure. So this is something that um, has changed a lot. In my, you know, 10 years of doing this professionally, Mm -hmm. um, when I first started in commercial photography, I didn't really know what licensing and usage was. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, a number of years ago, probably seven years ago at this point, um, I found the F-stoppers tutorial, Mani Isom, and making real real money with commercial photography. And that blew my mind <laughs> it just exploded it <laughs> all over the room and i thought wow this is amazing he goes into licensing and usage and yeah. they, go, they go over invoices and he's talking with art directors and creative people and um from there it changed my entire business model and i got a licensing agreement and just started um you know understanding more about intellectual property and copyright ownership mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff um and since then i've been a, a big advocate for it because mm-hmm. as people who create intellectual property for advertising use you know there's value to that there's value in the creation of it and there's value in the usage of it so um, that's been something that um, I've put into place in my business is in many places as I can um, and it's a a topic of conversation for every new client um, and it's sometimes you feel like you're walking a tightrope in order to (laughs) you want to you want to make the the client relationship good you don't want to make them mad you want to um, make them understand the value and still pay for what it is that you're mm-hmm. asking them to pay for. And, um, you know, a, w- a way that I've gone about it because my, my initial licensing agreement included pretty much everything for my contracting client. So okay. they would get full, full usage rights, um, mm-hmm. in perpetuity, all advertising and marketing uh, mm-hmm. nationwide. And then, um, you know, I had been increasing prices year after year. Um, yeah. And then I thought, well, you know, Like I'm doing fine on that, but I, I don't necessarily want to up my prices right now because I feel like I'm maybe Mm -hmm. at the limit of who I'm working with. And so instead of changing my price, I just cut out the advertising and editorial portion of my license. And so I took away a thing, Mm -hmm. which is still basically adding value. Mm -hmm. um, And nobody cared, you know, like the clients who I had, I just reached out to them and I said, Hey, you know, the majority of folks that I'm working with aren't using this part of the license. Um, and you know, I, I don't want to increase costs. So this is kind of a way that I'm looking at doing that, where if, if the need comes and you want to be able to use it in paid advertising, or if you have editorial pieces that you want to show, just let me know. And we can license, you know, individual Mm -hmm. use cases for that. And it'll be cheaper. And, you know, I don't want to have to charge more for this kind of thing if you're not even going to use it. Yeah. And everybody was very responsive to it. And now when I get new clients, you know, I send them my licensing agreement right away on the Mm -hmm. first email. And just say, hey, just check this out, read the language, let me know if there's any um, terms and conditions that you're uncomfortable with, and we can jump on a call and just talk through stuff. And I can let you know where I'm coming from and what my experience has been and why this is the way I work and mm-hmm. why it's better for you, too. And then mm-hmm. they, they're usually pretty good about it. I've had some people, mostly local developers, um, who have reached out and I, I give them a quote and I send them this and we talk about it um and then they just flip shit they're like what do you mean like I, i'm not gonna own the images like i don't have the copyright I'm like no sir that's not how this works <laughs> i'm like let me just give you a little yeah. bit more information and they said we're not a huge national company we're not doing this and that and I'm like that's fine if you can't respect the fact that i own the work that i create well then i'm mm-hmm. not the right person for you that's okay there's yeah. plenty of other photographers to work with go yeah them.
1: that's that's um uh, mm. I run into that every day <laughs> So and I've been doing this a long time, and it it still it still kind of stings a little bit. But it's usually in a small local market where you in Canada. I never ever have a problem when I'm working with a national client. Yeah, um, in fact, you know they they sometimes think that my licensing terms are rather liberal, so yeah, uh, they're they're pretty good with that. And occasionally I do work with ad agencies, and I don't think anybody even reads it. You know, it's just, it needs to get done. The client will approve the price. And anyway, yeah, but the local, it's still an educational process. And uh, in your community, you know, if you're like me, I still continue to try to educate with things I post. And sometimes I feel like it's a losing battle. But um, yeah, once you make that commitment to, you know, protect your copyright, you can't really turn back from that. (laughs) yeah really and you know to to respect um the
0: the folks who came before us and mm-hmm. who you know built this uh, industry of photography and what it means in commercial um you know you shouldn't just let that stuff go like that's that's no. value that's been fought for and it's under mm-hmm. understood and you know only up until recently has anything really changed on that Um, you know late aughts and and moving into the digital area kind of things changed Mm -hmm. from what i heard at least from the photographers who i assisted with who have been around for 30 Mm -hmm. or 40 years working um you know, and so it's like you want to try to hang on to that value. You don't want to let that kind of stuff go because then it just becomes a race to the bottom and you don't control what happens with your creative works like you, yeah. you know, even as a musician, like if, if you're writing music and then all of a sudden the publisher owns your music or your label owns your music, you don't have yeah. control over that exactly. anymore. You don't get to monetize that. You don't have um, access to where it goes. I mean, there's been so many jobs that I've lost just because I, I won't give them what they want for free. Mm -hmm. or they just they don't understand and it's national firms like there was a a job last year where they they wanted me to go do some exteriors of a barn um Mm -hmm. that had some new you know printing style on it and it was for a metal fabrication company you know um i think they're um like a Top 500 or 100 company, you know, one of the biggest steel producers in America. Mm. And I told him what the licensing was going to be for it, and he said, "Oh, that's yeah, we can't do that. It's you know, they want something into like the the two to four grand range." I'm like for national advertising, and they want the full rights for everything. And I said, "There's no way I'm doing that. Like that, the value is so much higher than that." And he said, "All right, we'll find somebody else." I said, "That's fair. Go find somebody else. And it's not gonna be me. You know, like my work is what it is, and I work to be the best that I can be." And I'm certainly not about to give it to you for free when you make, you know, a billion dollars a year,
1: and you're not willing to pay me, yeah, you know, what it's worth. Yeah, and I, I, I think new photographers, the, their knee jerk is, I don't want to lose that income, and you know, yeah. I'll do whatever it it takes to to get that. But at a certain point, you just got to just stick with it, and I, th- it does serve you better in the end if you make that commitment, but. Uh, yeah, we we all deal with that on a fairly regular basis. I had a hospital this morning that I'm dealing with that I photographed for a construction company, and now the hospital wants me just to give them a set of images, and uh, they want free access. Was the wording they used, and so my email back was, "Does that give me free access to healthcare too?" <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> yeah, um, right. No, I'll do a straight up trade: a
1: whole year of free yeah, healthcare, and you can have. i be I'd time. be good with that. Um, yeah. So that's interesting. Um, so uh, when when you're you're putting together a pricing model for somebody, and uh, what what factors do you do you figure in, or do you line item everything, or do you put everything in a single fee, or how what does that look like when a client comes to you and just wants a price for a project? Sure. Um, so
0: my my approach to pricing is basically um, production time. Mm -hmm. um retouching per image and then any um possible extra licensing fees okay obviously expenses and everything else go into it as well most local shoots don't really have any expenses there's not really parking fees or tolls around where i am Mm -hmm. um you know if we travel that that all gets covered um normally my clients are buying me meals when we're Mm -hmm. on production so if it's a full day you know that just gets covered by them and if it doesn't that gets to be a a line item added. Okay. Um, But yeah, I do break everything down. Um, You know, most new clients will send a proposal to that gives a job description on what we're doing, what they can expect in terms of delivery and files Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the client provisions that they need to provide in terms of site access or um, propping items or models, you know, just Mm -hmm. kind of spelling everything out of what that looks like. Um, You know, the second page then is basically an itemized um, estimate that shows Mm -hmm. You know, here's our production. This is what we're going to be. If I have an assistant, that'll get added in, Um, you know, their, their estimate number of images that they want at the cost per image. um, And then the licensing is included with Mm -hmm. that um, for the standard um, client publications, which, you know, doesn't include the paid advertising or editorial. So that's, that's the basic structure. Um, You know, many clients now will come to me and say, Hey, you know, we've got two other partners that want to cost share on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know I, I think it's pretty standard to do just like a 30 percent add-on um mm-hmm. for you know the entire shoot um I don't necessarily always add thirty percent on to the expenses. It's mm-hmm. usually just the the portion that it took to produce the shoot, which does also include my assistant yeah, um, so that that'll get added on and then the entire cost gets divided um you know
1: evenly okay, yeah, that's um uh, it that sounds like what most. People that I know in in the country are doing these days, and um, you know, pretty good business practices. that um, do you require a deposit from anybody when you uh, first do a shoot, or you know, for new client or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I used to not, and I I don't for everybody, mm-hmm. um, but depending on what the shoot is, if it's going to be a bigger shoot, if it's a new client, um, I definitely require fifty percent. Um advanced payment. I don't say it as a deposit or any retainer because yeah, I don't want them to think like, oh, well, if we don't do it, you're gonna give us the money back because that's not what it means. (laughs) It means you're gonna pay me to hold the date and then this is what it is. And yeah, if you if you cancel, well, you know, in my in my terms and conditions that you sign with the estimate, Mm -hmm. um, it says that, you know, basically you're gonna owe fifty percent of the entire budget anyways. So you've already given me that. So I'm not gonna refund that to you if you wasted my time or if you cancel right before. Um
1: yeah. yeah. And and that happens occasionally that you have yeah. to enforce that. But my experience has been, it's not very often equipment wise. Um, where are you right now? As far as what you're, what you're working with cameras and lighting and things like that. Can you kind of give us an idea yeah. of what it is that you sure. use to make it work?
0: Yeah. I, I'll, I'll start with the caveat that pretty much any, any camera system that's out right now is, perfect for what you need, you know. I mean, starting yeah. from <laughs> you know, a Nikon D60 <laughs> back in the yeah. day to where we are now, you know, everything is awesome. But mm-hmm. I shoot with um, a Nikon Z8, okay, which is amazing. Yeah. Um and I sh- I have uh three shift lenses, um a 24 a 15, mm-hmm. which is the Laowa, um oh yeah. Awesome. yeah. um and then an old Nik- Nikkor 35 shift from the 70s
1: i still have and one I, of those i, I love that yes. lens.
0: <laughs> yeah i found it on ebay for like 170 dollars the yeah. pictures looked super clean i was like oh, i'm gonna take a chance on it and it came to my door and it's just beautiful it's absolutely beautiful yeah. it works great i mean there's a little more chromatic aberration than with newer lenses yeah. but mm-hmm. i mean you can fix that stuff so easy now that like mm-hmm. it's really not an issue Um it's such so, a nice
1: length to have um, yeah and then there's just really nothing else out there that does as good a job so yeah i've i've had one of those in fact i've had two of them but uh, my second one is a little newer than the first one but i love yeah that's a good lens Um, i wish
0: nikon was better with their teleconverters you know like none of them that i've i've tested work with anything other than a telephoto lens like a 70 to 200 just the 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 way to connect it doesn't match okay um, which is kind of frustrating so if anybody out there knows how to you know, get a teleconverter for a
1: Nikon and Nikkor lenses. Boy, I'd I'd love to hear. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I I actually was using that Nikkor lens on my Canon system. Uh, oh yeah, with a, with an adapter. Yeah, the the Nikon to Canon adapter is is a really good adapter, and uh, so I use that on on Canon uh, cameras. And uh, I've since you know I'm I'm going to a Fuji medium format now, but I still use the cannons, uh, occasionally, but yeah, that's, a, that was a great focal length. Um, lighting wise, do you use a lot of lights, few lights or what's your um,
0: I used to use more than I do now. Um, you know, I've kind of refined my approach in terms of, um, just how I want productions to go, um, mm-hmm. and how much blending I want to do after the fact. Yeah. Um, so yeah, right now it's my approach is, um, figure out what the space needs and then just add mm. what's necessary or subtract what's necessary. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's photographers out there who do some really stylized lighting, which I love. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to get a little more into that just to be able to add some pizzazz and commercial sparkle when, mm-hmm. when you want that. Um, but yeah. Mostly now it's just, you know, when I'm on production, I bring two lights with me um, mm-hmm. in a, a stand case um and then i just use those and um a lot of what i do is subtractive lighting you know just setting up big big uh you know black sheets that will block stuff or block reflections or
1: um give me a little more even lighting of what i'm looking for yeah i i think that's huge there's a lot of well most photographers don't think in those terms about what can i take out rather than what can i add and so um and have you ever worked any done any any film work as far as film production or those kinds of things? Because that's a skill that those guys really have. Um, yeah, it just seems people that I see do that now as for architectural photographers generally have had some exposure to the film industry and, and the way you know um, a DP or somebody would would approach scene. So that that that's interesting yeah. that you bring that up.
0: Yeah, I haven't I haven't used film in the commercial realm mm-hmm. um, I mean like I said before you know in high school I shot on film for a while um and then following graduation I kept that film camera for a little while okay um so that that stays in my mind I think having that as being the initial upbringing into mm-hmm. photography and creating imageries trying to get it right in camera um yeah. that's always there um and then photoshop was just so much fun at the beginning that I tried to figure out what the heck can I do to, to, you know, make something awesome and learning yeah. blending modes and learning, you know, all that different kind of stuff um, was great. And then, you know, I feel like most people, when you, when you learn a new tool or you learn a new skill set you, you overuse it, you go way far and then you bring that pendulum back a little bit. And so yeah. when, when I was getting into lighting, when I was doing all these things, man, I would, I would pop lights everywhere and I would, you know, light paint all sorts of stuff and then blend it all in. I'm like, man, I'm spending a half a day on one image. <laughs> I said, exactly, yeah. this is not sustainable. I'm not charging yeah. enough for this, nor would my clients want to pay for this much. You know, like they want it to look nice, but I need to streamline my process. And maybe I can do that without adding quite so much, you know, blending work. Yeah, or I think like that's that.
1: important. Um, yeah. Uh, how much time do you spend after the fact on post-production? Is it substantial or have you streamlined that as well?
0: I would say probably averages about an hour per image Um, and sometimes that's you know it can be 15 minutes if it's you know a simple Mm -hmm. shot a detailed shot um other things you know if we're shooting like a a wide lobby area like damn that that might take two or three hours you know like Mm -hmm. there's some shots where you know especially I, I like to do um like stitched panoramas from from the ship yeah yeah um so i you know i do a lot of like top and bottom shifting I do too. <laughs> um, so at that point you know you're, you're stitching together two shots for every exposure and then i'm using mm-hmm. a minimum of three exposures to blend so now you know i've got six images that blend together and then we're trying to put all that together um so that can that can add a little bit of extra time and then yeah yeah as soon as you gotta you know make pen selections around stuff if that's mm-hmm. a complicated scene that can be really difficult and you know, I've, I've tried to, to be smarter in terms of using like, um, color range selectors to help minimize coloring. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I use luminosity masking and, and frequency separation Mm -hmm. on nearly every image that I edit. And I think a lot um, of time saved there if you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And those are just like, you know, actions that I, I just click on the keyboard and it it makes it happen for me. And then I can just use those layers and, and get it going. Um, yeah that that helps blend stuff more seamlessly and uh, make things look a lot nicer and frequency separation is so so great in terms of fixing um detail that maybe you lost in any highlights or smoothing out colors you know between surfaces or anything like
1: that um just gives you so much more control Mm -hmm. yeah it's um it's it's not huge um when you see the finished image, unless you see one that hasn't been worked on. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see yeah. that it's a huge difference. So yeah, that's, that's great. Do you ever send anything out? Do you have any third parties that do production for you at all? Um, In terms of production?
0: No. Um, I mean, I've got contractors who come with me um, that, that, you know, will help in terms of post-production um, for architecture. No, I, I pretty much do everything okay. on my own and I've, considered trying to work with other people i've had a you know a handful of folks reach out over the last couple of years yeah um you know saying like hey i'm a retoucher i love your work and would be fun to work with you and i always have the best intentions of saying like yeah let's let's try to do something and then you know the ability to delegate that and send it off and if you have to do markups or if you you know it's just it's easier for me to
1: just keep it in my brain and just do it yeah
0: you know Uh,
1: i i i actually agree with that i the only time I've done that is when I've had, uh, you know, a massive number of images that needed basically the same correction or the same, yeah, the same things taking out. Um, you know, I've done uh, big projects where I've sent it to somebody else to take out all the exit signs or all the trash cans or <laughs> all yeah, the smoke detectors. Sure. Those kinds of things that are just kind of tedious, but really don't have an aesthetic bearing, but uh, you know, just just need to get done, and I can spend my time elsewhere. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, I, go ahead. I was just going
0: to say, I'll, um, since generative fill has come out in Photoshop, yeah. that's that's my main use now to get rid of exit signs and all of that kind of crazy stuff that would be complex cloning. Um, sometimes yeah. it's incredibly complex. And generative fill does an absolutely amazing job you know i mean it doesn't always blend perfectly well um sometimes you got to feather out your selection a little bit sometimes yeah. you got to add a little noise or you know again compositing um mm-hmm. just making the layers match and making it feel like it's
1: part of the scene um but wow that's come a long way that's so uh, wonderful yeah it can get at. you in the ballpark really fast and uh yeah. to me that's huge but yeah that you know i wish that exit signs didn't have to be green and <laughs> yeah all or bright red
0: people. and they just splash yeah. the color everywhere it's, it's like, that uh, big
1: color spread that you just yeah yeah those yeah. those little things that, that bother only architect photo- you know architectural photographers but uh, um as far as your clientele you know architecture is it is it architects or interior designers or construction companies where do you see most of your work coming from
0: yeah, in terms of architecture, I would say it's probably a, a pretty even split between architects and construction companies. Okay. Uh, I, I do a, a bit of work um, with developers and construction companies for mm-hmm. a drone. Okay. Um, and a lot of that will be like construction progress, where I'm out every oh, month yeah. just on a site, just doing a flight, capturing photos or videos for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like project photography, I would say those are the two clientele that I that I get that pay my pricing and like my work um i've had a ton of interior designers and like home remodelers and you know smaller folks reach out to me and i Mm -hmm. i try to accommodate in terms of pricing and what i'm offering mm-hmm. and i never get those jobs <laughs> i'm just always out of price i'm like you know as soon as you limit licensing or as soon as you say like oh it's going to be two grand or whatever for you know a yeah. half day and, and some photos and they're like i can't no yeah i'm not going to do that i was hoping for under a <laughs> thousand like all right there's people out there that you can work with that'll do
1: it right yeah, yeah. they probably g- don't take the find same money. Of- it's just not you <laughs> yeah uh, and that you know that's 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 not a bad thing but uh, at yeah. least you know, if they have to refer somebody to a high-end architecture photographer, your name's the one they're going to remember. So that that's a yeah. good thing as well. You mentioned that you do um, a lot of drone work and and video. And um, can you kind of give us an idea how, what that's like as far as your work mix and um, how much of yeah. that you're doing?
0: Yeah, I would say anywhere
1: from you know twenty-five to
0: forty percent of my work is probably in in the drone or the video realm um and over the last two years um you know like doing produced video work has taken a big uptick Mm. um you know i've had some training in video um like basically when i started my company i was also working with um, my friend's commercial video company oh they they taught me a bunch in terms of camera movement and codecs and editing and that kind of stuff so that so that was really nice um and then i've just kind of taken that knowledge and applied my architectural thinking and visual, mm-hmm. um, composition yeah. um, into the, into the realm of, of video. Um, and it's been good, you know, just trying to tell stories in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing interviews with people that that's been really fun too. Um, cause yeah. I've taken on the role of director and, um, interviewer. Yeah. And so like I get to be more involved in to telling the story and understanding and just devising, um, questions that might bring things out that, um, might not have otherwise
1: gotten brought out Mm -hmm. so yeah i I, that's that's a huge point um and you know such a great add-on for an architectural photographer because i think architectural photographers like yourself they they tend to understand a project in a way that that just somebody coming in with a video camera is not going to really understand and so the fact that you say that you direct those interviews and that doesn't surprise me you know because yeah um You'd be the one that would be able to ask the intelligent questions and, and and really get to the story of what that that building is about or that project or whatever. So, yeah, and no one else is going to have a better holistic view of the end yeah. product than mm-hmm.
0: me right? In terms of like, what do we need for editing? What is the final piece supposed to look like? What's our message that we want to say? Mm -hmm. And so if I'm the one asking the questions and they give me an answer and I say, hey, I like I am thinking in my mind that's really close to what I want. Let's push a little bit farther into that so I can try to get the the soundbite that I'm looking for. You know, if my client is interviewing them, they might not even have that consideration. Right. And I've, I've done shoots in the past where it's like panel discussions and I'm not the one who is directing that conversation and they're talking over each other. And it's like, well, that was a great soundbite, but I can't cut that out because there's three (laughs) other people all laughing and talking together. Like in its, in its isolation, it's going to sound weird. So um, being able to have that kind of control is really nice in terms of Mm -hmm. telling the story better.
1: That's great. Yeah. And you do your own editing as far as the video
0: goes. I have been um, the company that I worked with back in the day, um, Mm -hmm. which I mentioned was my friend's company. Um, that's still going. Um, there was two partners that started that together. One of them has separated and he Mm -hmm. started a different company that he was working on for a while. And unfortunately that company had to close last year, just due to some personnel issues and, um, just not being sustainable for what Mm -hmm. it was. Um, and he's gotten back into video work. And so now he's my main, main main video editor. He's pretty much on every project with me in terms of video, second shooting. Um, and so he's got a good idea of what the project is, you know, he and I always, discuss over what we're going to do and what the what the plan for the editing is Mm -hmm. Um, and then he'll put together a rough draft he'll cut a story together for me based on um, you know my direction he sends that over and then we you know we talk after and I give him more direction on hey I like what you're doing but this isn't exactly right this is a little bit fluff or we need to cut Mm -hmm. this out or I don't like what they're saying here Um, and we just go back and forth and kind of you know sometimes it's a heated debate because he likes the things and I don't like it and (laughs) it's like well you know Try to sell me on it, but I'm a hard sell. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know where to, to not give anymore, but that that's, yeah. I, I think that what you're describing is, is really important for somebody that might be listening to this and considering going in that direction because, you know, that skill set I think goes off and unused in architects for photographers. So it, it, I feel yeah. good having you tell me about that. Where do you see things going in the next few years for you? Uh, business-wise, more of the same? Yeah. Or are you going to focus any different direction? I, I'm kind of hoping for more
0: of the same. I mm-hmm. mean, the last year or two have been really great in terms of um, you know building forward in terms mm-hmm. of my marketing and what I'm shooting and how I'm using that as a snowballing effect in my marketing to gain bigger clients. Um, and so that that's what I'm hoping will continue. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'd love to continue expanding into video as well as photography, and just having a suite of services that I can offer yeah. um, these niche down clients of, of what I'm looking for, um, and it it seems like that's what they're looking for too. They love having somebody who yeah. they can consult with these kinds of things, who they can trust, um, has their best interest in mind in terms of producing the best quality imagery and video um, that they can. Who understands all those facets and um, you know all the pre pre production stuff that's going to get be involved with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm always a little concerned on where's the market going. What is our technology doing um, to the work that we create in terms of mm. AI and um, you know new stuff like that? Uh, yeah. It you know it's a little unnerving because you never really know what's going to happen. I mean, consider the fact yeah. that like phones just keep getting better and better, mm-hmm. and AI editing is just going to get better and better. I'm sure there's going to be a portion of us um, that because that get disrupted. You know, that just we're not going to have a job if we don't um, find a way to work within that, you know, and I, I think yeah. architecture isn't the f- the fastest moving um, front of the line, no. technological change, they, yeah. they, you know, it seems like it, it's a little bit slow, even introducing video seems a mm-hmm. little slow for some folks. Yeah. Um. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. Whereas in terms of You know commercial work for agencies like they might just not even hire photographers if they can just take concepts and just create it out of ai and they can take a picture of the product with their phone and then have it get brought in and they can do color correcting and just they you know type a prompt into whatever image generation thing they're doing and i mean that'll be the first spot i think where much of the work gets displaced but we'll see i mean there's there's people that are talking about like you know what's again what's the value like You know, is is human made going to be like a stamp of approval? Well, like this
1: is handcrafted,
0: Mm -hmm. not AI crafted, you know,
1: I'm not really sure. Well, yeah, I've had some conversations recently with people in other industries about this, you know, most especially advertising and things like that. And, um, you know, the takeaway for me was, is that uh, photographers, uh, good photographers are still going to be hired for the way that they see things it's yeah. not about the technology that they use to create that image or how that image gets created it, it's the vision that they have that they bring to the table and uh, and so you know we pivot because of the technology on a fairly regular basis it seems <laughs> like these days but yeah. um being able to uh to bring that artistic vision is something that I still think is going to always have value and uh may continue to you know may have more value because well, At least what I see as far you know industries, uh, especially the photography industry, that that the level of professionalism tends to be decreasing <laughs> fairly rapidly yeah. across the board, uh, in in certain disciplines more than others, and um, so those that do it really well, I think are going to be rewarded really well on an ongoing basis. So,
0: yeah, and like you said before, you know with creative people um you know pushing into inspiration and Mm -hmm. trying to be more creative and creating art you know I mean that's it's a collaborative process so it's not like fine art where you can just create whatever you want but you know if you're just there to press the button if you're you know if you're if your client is always the one that's determining your composition Mm -hmm. and you know you're you're not having any stay on that you're not as valuable of a piece, you know. No. You're basically just a technician at that point instead Ex- of a, a, exactly. a human that's kind of pushing forward a vision.
1: Yeah. And uh yeah, that that that's an excellent way to put that. That's why yeah. I don't have an iPad on set when I
0: <laughs> for my client's. Okay. <laughs>
1: um they don't approve. Um, I do. So yeah, yeah that's uh See, and for me, I I do have an
0: iPad Mm -hmm. and it's a collaborative process, um, Mm -hmm. but almost everything I do is some, some sort of selling or negotiation. And Mm -hmm. I'll even show you this. This is a book that I, that I've read and I'm rereading um, okay. just in terms of um, understanding more communication and negotiating and trying to. Um, deliver the message you're actually trying okay. to have delivered, you know, because mm-hmm. perception is a crazy thing. I, th- I could be saying something to you and you're not hearing what I think I'm telling you. Exactly. Um, you know, so if I'm on if I'm on set with somebody and we're making something collaboratively, I want to make sure obviously it works for their marketing. So they need to be able to, to mm-hmm. sign off on it, in my opinion. Um, but if they say, oh, well, I'd rather have this or can we include this? That's where I'm going to say, well, you know, this is why I'm not doing that. And these are the reasons why. And if we back out and shoot something like this, you're going to lose this. We're going to maybe have to go wider and then everything's going to get distorted. And so at that point, it gives me an opportunity to show them I'm the expert. And then yeah, it's even more trust. And then they go, oh, okay, sure. well, yeah, let's yeah. let's Kyle roll with this and let's see, let's see what <laughs> we get.
1: And they're always happy with it. Yeah, that's that's the important point is that you you've got a reason for what you're doing. I mean, it's not just a <laughs> random place that you stuck your camera. There's a there's a real reason why you are where you are and with the lens that you have and the composition that you have. So, um, and it, as clients get to know us better, they they trust us more on things like that. And um, it's just a it's an ongoing process, I think, and we both learn from it. And the the, the oldest and best clients I have don't even show up anymore <laughs> <laughs> so that to me that's a a huge uh vote of trust for me because they just they they give us the, the project and i do it and we're done yeah so absolutely I mean, it works out fine kyle it's been a pleasure talking with you um you've given us some really good insights here and um, um even though you don't have white hair you're a very wise man and uh <laughs> <laughs> thank you appreciate now, it. Uh, i mentioned you know, before we went on with this podcast, I mentioned we wanted to have somebody on that didn't have white hair. And uh, I just feel like the art industry of architectural photographers is kind of aging out of the of the business. And so it's just really refreshing to see somebody with your talent and uh, and drive and success um, in, in this business. And uh, I wish you all the best. And uh, again, thanks for coming on and sharing this time with us.
0: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate all of that. Um, if if anybody would like to connect, shoot me an email. It's contact at crimsonsunstudios.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to chat with people. You know, anytime photographers can help each other out, I think is a, a great opportunity. We can all learn from each other um and that's one of the things i love about these podcasts that you've been putting out and the group discussions and the individual series and you know all of the gear kind of stuff that you've been putting focus on is great so please keep doing what you're doing and i'll thank keep you. tuning in
1: um <laughs> and this is an awesome community to be a part of so thanks thanks, thanks Kyle. I'll, I'll put your information in the in the description of this and uh on the podcast and the video and uh, we'll look forward to you again at a future meeting all right thank thanks. you very much This has been another episode of A Photographer's Life. If you've enjoyed this program, please let us
0: know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. A Photographer's Life is brought to you by the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This episode is copyrighted and may not be used in full or in part without the written permission of the AIAP. Please join us again soon for another Inside Look at the World of Professional Architectural Photography.